Welcome to another episode of the Birdsand Academy podcast. This is the show for online course creators who want to build a profitable business by sharing your skills and knowledge. This is your host, Welly Mulia. If you are not listening this on our website, go to academy.birdsand.co/slash five to get your show notes. This show is brought to you by Birdsand Email Marketing Tool, the only email marketing tool specifically created for online course creators. Get your free forever account at birdsend.co. That's bird as in the flying bird and send as in sending emails, birdsend.co. Today's special guest is Jill Andrews. Jill helps small business owners make sure that their websites reflect the true value of their products and services and knock the socks off their prospects. She turns underperforming websites into sleek lead generating machines and she's direct about that. She won't sugarcoat it but she will tell you how to fix it. When not reviewing websites, writing web copy or blogging, you will find her running after her son or eating chocolate. Jill, thank you for coming to the show. It's great to have you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So five languages. I read on your yeah. site that you speak five languages. Yeah. Talk That's to us true. about that. Well, just one word, life. I mean, I've never aimed to you know for learning like i didn't like let's learn five languages no it just happened i moved uh, i was born in a russian-speaking family then we moved to another country and then i moved to germany and then i also actually there is one language i already forgot i used to speak finnish as well i used to work as a translator but i haven't used the language in 16 years so i forgot it i, I learned it at the university so I learned English, I learned German, and then because my husband is from Pakistan, I learned Urdu as well, whatever they speak in Pakistan. So it's like it just happened. I like languages. Um, it gives me a new perspective every time. On uh, you know, um, once you learn a new language, you start seeing the world a bit different. You no, know, because people differently. You people use different words to describe different uh, things, and some things you describe in one language don't exist in another language, and it changes you. It changes your perspective. So that's fun. And my um, dream is also to finally get my French up to speed because I understand a bit of French. I can speak a bit of French, but I never got a chance to, you know, really uh, apply it. And maybe that's why it's rusty and I never got to learn it. But yeah, the short answer to your question would be life happened. So with, with the addition of French, will it, will it make it six? Uh, yeah, it will be six. Yeah, but okay. uh, we shouldn't count French. I mean, I don't count French. I'm not that, I'm not confident to speak it. Although I spent a couple of years here and there learning it, but because I can't apply it anywhere, I don't have any French-speaking friends. I went to France, but we didn't spend much time there for me to, you know, apply it. So maybe one day, you know, I'm dreaming when I'm retired, I just go to France and spend like, I don't know, a month there speaking only French, and then I will put a sixth language on my LinkedIn bio. Cool. So what is your what is the language that you are most proficient with? Is it English? Um, no, actually, my mother tongue is Russian and uh, English and German, they are equal. Uh, I speak equally English and German uh, and then, uh, well, Ukrainian as well, because I used to live in Ukraine, um, but I keep forgetting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm already on the way to forgetting it. I don't speak it to my child, my son. I speak Russian to him. And uh, Urdu, I speak all the time, but not that much. So the most proficient would be like Russian followed by English and German. Once again, to summarize, <laughs> so, uh, I have problems answering questions, 
you know, in a short form as we can see now. Okay, cool. So you are a website specialist, so you are a conversion specialist, so you take ordinary websites and turn them into lead generating websites that get clients, leads. Exactly, yeah. Right, yeah. so so what do you think is the one misconception about people having website? Because nowadays everyone wants to have a website, right? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is that they think, okay, I build a website and that's enough. They say, okay, they overestimate what a website can do for them or that you need just a website and it happens. Well, first of all, you need you don't need just a website. You need a website that is designed for attracting sales and leads or as we say, conversion optimized. Uh, if you go to a designer who does not understand what it takes to convert your prospects, he will build you a pretty website that will be useless. But another thing is, even if you have a perfect website, your journey to money, to earning money through this website is uh, just starting because you need to attract traffic and not just to just, you know, a random traffic. You post a LinkedIn Reddit and people come looking at your website, but you need targeted traffic from people who are interested in your offer and ideally who are already in the mindset of buying, you know, either your products or hiring you. So the biggest misconception is the under overestimation of a website that but i say it's just the beginning of your journey there is so much work after you actually took it live so you thought you know you spent months or maybe a year building a website but it's unfortunately just the beginning hmm, interesting okay so you said about you need you need targeted traffic to go to your website how how what do you suggest people to get targeted traffic and not just any any kind of traffic um well there is um it's it's like i can't say it in one sentence this is a complicated thing but first of all it all starts with knowing your audience you need to know where do they hang out you know how do they use search are there specific uh, websites or social media you can you know reach them so it first starts with studying your audience really well um, then there are like three main major meta ways to drive traffic it will be first search when you search optimize your website and after some time and after you put a lot of content on it uh, the people who search for particular terms in Google will come to your website. This is the ideal situation, but sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes your audience either doesn't know your product exists or they don't have time to read blog posts and search you know, for you. So it won't work for every industry or every niche. Um, but it's actually, I would say it works for most of the cases. The uh, cons of this is that you need a lot of time you need a lot of effort and it, of course, will cost you money, either your own time or the time of or, or you pay somebody to do that. So it's costly and it takes time to work. Uh, the second way is uh, social media, which is not as effective because people on social media who hang out there, they don't hang out to buy stuff. They hang out to socialize, to talk to each other, to discover, I don't know, whatever, but not to buy things. So this is also difficult. It also takes time and it's less predictable. And the moment you stop posting, you stop getting traffic. But it's very good for making connections with your peers. And especially if you are a blogger, uh, people you got to know there, they may give you a backlink, a link to your website or introduce um, you to their audiences, which also helps your search uh, performance if you do search. And the third way is uh, something that you will get direct results and something that will um, help you evaluate your website where you can see 
whether your website is actually good uh, conversion optimized is paid traffic where you you know pay per click Google AdWords or Facebook um, ads. But there, of course, it's expensive. And uh, the moment you stop doing it, um, you know, you don't get any results. Yet, uh, I know many small businesses who are doing it on uh, a constant basis. So they're investing uh, some money in pay-per-click campaigns, but they get so much out of it. They sell so much or, you know, they get so much contracts that it's worth for them, worth the money. So um, usually it's a combination of three of these tactics. I can only speak for myself. I'm a uh, consultant. I am my product. I sell uh, knowledge. So for me, search works the best. I don't have much time to post on social. I concentrate only on two networks um, and I use it primarily for building relationships and getting, you know, backlinks. Although I also get occasional contracts from there. I don't use pay-per-click. Why I don't think it's a good idea for consultants? Because for us, our product is less tangible. And although when you see a sweater, you can say, okay, made of wool, red color, my size, you know, fits. You just order it. There is like little risk for a prospect. You can give it back if you don't like it. But for Consultants, people usually need to get to know you a little bit more. So my sales cycle is longer than a sales cycle for somebody. Uh, sorry, not sales cycle, the funnel. Not how the time it takes from a first uh, touch point, first time people heard of me to hiring me to work for them. It takes longer than somebody buying a sweater. So if you say sell um, real goods, physical goods, a pay-per-click campaigns can be super useful and profitable. But for consultants or for anything that would take longer than one lead page to convince people to work with you or to buy, uh, probably other means would be more uh, efficient there. So... Yeah, I mean, this is a long topic, how to drive targeted traffic. I'm sure there are courses, paid courses about that. There are consultants who do that. So it's really super complicated. So going back to what you were saying just now with with a consultant like yourself, the sales cycle is longer and you typically for yourself, you don't do any paid ads. I see some some people, some consultants also doing paid ads, but so they instead of selling via website, they sell via strategy session. What is your what is your take on that? I don't, don't have any take on that. I'm just saying do what works for you. Um, before you start doing something, think about if it logically makes sense. So you need to have a, some kind of uh, hypothesis why you think it will work. And then you try it, you know, because it can even depend from person to person, not necessarily niche to niche, because, you know, your website can have a different flavor, different, you know, impression on people. And even if your friend does absolutely the same thing, it can work differently for you, too. So uh, if you think there is a logical reason for that to work, just try it out. You know, this is my suggestion, because there are actually every uh, an answer to every question related to website is actually it depends and test it. This is the, the, the question that is actually uh, valid for every question uh, related to website because every website is different, every niche is different, and the best way to know what works for you is to test it. So, what do you think is the main elements of a high converting website? For someone who is new, like a cold traffic, cold people who hasn't heard of your brand before, never see you before, they drop they land on your website or landing page, what would you say are the elements that needs to be there for them to, yeah, at least sign up for your email newsletter or maybe if you want them to, if they land on your sales page, 
at least click the buy button. Okay, so um, you say they never heard of me, but uh, this is not a qualifier for what kind of quality traffic is that. The question is, do they have a general need for what I offer, you know, or are they coming from Pinterest recipe board? Who are these people is the first question. So I first need to know, okay, whom am I writing for? What kind of, it starts with a stage of awareness before you, of course, did, did, um, um, thought about, okay, is it male, female visitors? Uh, how old are they? What are they? status, what language they speak, you know, what are their background, college education, uh, high school education, whatever. So these are the very basic requirements that you already need to think about before building a page. And then you think about what do you know, you, you have an offer, okay, you offer something, so it solves some problems. So the question is, what do they know about this uh, problems. You already said they don't know me. They don't know the offer. That's fine. But the question is, are they aware of these problems? Are they actively thinking to solve them? Or do I still need to narrate the exact problems to them? So this uh, determines the stage of awareness. Are they completely unaware? Are they product aware? Are they solution aware? What what are they aware of? And after you determine that, um, you determine the place with that. When you determine that, you determine the spot where they are at right now. Um, and now you need to build a bridge with your copy to take them to the spot they need to be to convert. So basically what they need to know to convert is what you offer exactly and for that to be relevant to them. So it means you need to use very clear copy, not trying to be clever or funny or whatever. Just say in plain words, humans use while talking to each other uh, what you offer, for whom, if it's, for example, a specific uh, population segment like creative women entrepreneurs or, uh, you know, CEOs of technical companies, if you have a particular segment, it always helps to, to name it. So it's immediately relevant to your target audience and say what benefits people get, you know, from your solution or product, how this will help improve their lives. But depending on stage of awareness, you need to talk either more or less. You shouldn't tell them things they know. You should only indicate that you know them as well so people connect with you. But you shouldn't go on and on about things people are already aware of. For example, if they are aware of their problems, if you're marketing to seasoned businessmen, you know, uh, business owners, you don't need to tell them about their problems with their website. They know it. They've been, you know, using this website for five years. Just tell them you understand the problems, but then you need to work harder um, on showing how your solution works. I mean, how exactly you solve the problems and why it works. Okay, so um, coming back, so this is the basis of how would you make your decisions? Because I mean, there are obviously not one answer fill it, uh, fits it all here. So um, after you determine who your target audience is and what their stage of awareness is, you need to say whatever you need to say. You know, you need to think, okay, I need to say this, 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 just put it on paper. I need to tell them this. I need to blah, blah, blah. You need to do it clearly, well already said it, not clear words in uh, uh, short sentences. So it's all readable also. No, you know, like five paragraphs long of text, you know, without any visuals or anything. Then you need to, uh, the information to be relevant and valuable. So not just like empty blah, blah, or like vague sentences, just really specific naming uh, things, ideally the way your prospects think about your offer. You know, um, for example, I just, I'm writing my newsletter. So it's like on my mind, I recently was reviewing, um, ahead of a page and somebody had a tagline 
mindfulness coaching for perfectionists. At first, it sounds like something uh, fine. You know, it's like, what's wrong with that? You know, it's like clear words. I understand that. But the thing is, perfectionists don't lie in bed sleepless at night thinking, oh, I need mindfulness coaching. You know, this is like not the words they think about their problems. They, they don't use these words. They don't use this concept. So you need to talk in the way so that people can relate. And if you're lucky enough, either lucky or you did your research, to uh, use the exact same words your prospects use uh, in their mind to describe their pro products, uh, problems, you will establish immediate connection and they will trust you more because it will feel for them as if you're reading their mind. They, they, you know, they just yesterday they talked to their spouse about their problems using the same words and today they found your website. Even if they never heard of you, it, there will be immediate connection. So it's really important to know your target audience and you know the words they use. For that, you can go read Amazon reviews, you can hang out on social, you can go check out um, other websites of your competitors and to check their testimonials. You need to always ask about testimonials and feedback so that your client not only send you a quick email, yeah, it's fine, great, send me an invoice, but that they, you know, describe, uh, you know, um, their state before, their state in the middle, their objections and whatever. What you also need to do on your website is address objections. This is very important. Uh, so I see websites just throwing information at people. Okay, here's what I do. Here's the buy button. But people have a lot of questions. They have a lot of fears, uncertainties and objections. You need to address these questions as well and not on some separate page, but really in the context where you are talking about your offer. Um, but this was uh, regarding the content. <laughs> well, running a successful website is bloody complicated. This is just the copy signed. Then you need to make sure your design does not interfere with your message. Because your website can be pretty, but it can have a slider, it, it can have 15 different fonts, and it can cause so much friction that even the best copy will be rendered irrelevant because people just won't be able to see what's important. And they will be so overwhelmed with visual triggers. They will be just like, okay, my brain is having a seizure now, I have to leave. Um, even literally, even a page, you would say, okay, that's a nicely designed page. This is a review I will be doing today. It's a nicely designed page. But once you start reading, there's so much destruction there and there is a part that covering that is covering too much of the space, there is sticky navigation that is so huge like that. And this totally makes the reading very uncomfortable. And then there are like elements that move. People generally are irritated by everything that moves without their control. So you need to use it very rarely and, you know, think about it, how you use it. So this is another side of it, right? So we said copy. Uh, needs to be clear, relevant, valuable, and speak directly to your audience, address the objections, and, you know, say the name the benefits. The design shouldn't get in the way, you know. I don't think a pretty website is a good website. I think a good website is the website that does its job. You know, it can be ugly, it can be whatever, you know. But there are, I saw ugly websites that are still doing their jobs, you know. Better than a, yesterday, the website that was designed yesterday by using the, you know, the newest technologies. This is not the point. Sure, it shouldn't be like, you know, uh, super horrible in colors or whatever that, you know, you know, on the basic uh, subconscious level, it will gross people out. This shouldn't be like that. But you shouldn't overdo it with these flashy things, you know. Uh, and the third thing is, is uh, overall user experience, because um, 
reading is one thing, but people also need to navigate your website and to be able to find things. It's like the structure of the website should be also good. You know, you need to keep in mind what paths my segments of my target audience could take from this page, let's say homepage. If I have a person who is almost convinced, they will take this path. If I have a person who never had heard of me before but has this problem, they may take this path. And then you need to, to see, did you give them the opportunity to you know follows this path easily do you have enough call to actions on the on your page are they at the right place how does your navigation look like is it clear where to find you know about you sometimes i see this drop downs menu drop down menus where you have like about section then three other drop downs but actually your main page is this mother about but nobody will click there because people are used to this being a placeholder so you're like losing visitors to your about page not to mention that you don't need three sub pages for your about section it should this drop down should be there in the first place but if you put it there you should be aware of the fact that people will a lot of people will skip your about page so this is another thing like you know the usability so copy design and usability which is kind of overlaps it's like a combination of both of that plus uh, structure of the website so i mean as you can see i've been talking for five minutes answering only one question <laughs> so because it's a complicated question that's why there are people like me who just help people do that because it's super hard to do it on your own and to think about things. And even, you know, when you read all these articles and this and that, still you would see uh, things in real life nobody writes about. And you would be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that existed, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, great stuff, Jill. So what you covered just now is if someone goes to a website where typically nowadays is as small business owners, especially with coaches, consultants is usually about their about page. And then they have their product services page. What about uh, specific landing pages? So for example, sales page, lead capture page, would there be, would you suggest that uh, we lose all the navigation because you talk about navigation just now for, for, for general website or blog. What about the lead capture pages and sales pages? Well, sales pages, lead capture pages, uh, well, uh, let's put it lead capture pages because sales page can be still on the website. Um, all of that that I just said applies just, you know, it, because it's a subset of how to make a page work or a website work. Just remove everything um, about navigation. Okay, sure, on lead pages, they say you shouldn't have any navigation to a different page. Um, but then it's, again, your target audience, they will be probably, um, they had uh, would have a narrow interest because for landing page, you're probably driving traffic from a, a pay-per-click campaign, you know, or from a very specific other source that, you know, people who click on that link, they have a very specific problem, very specific mindset. Right now, they're very in a very specific, you know, mind state. So, uh, but that's, again, it's, this is your target audience. The clarity, value, relevance a little distraction addressing objection this all holds like everything um that uh, i just said except of okay they have to navigate somewhere they don't have to navigate somewhere but you still have uh, someone who is at this particular spot right now in this particular mindset with this problem these objections and you have this place where you need them to be to convert and you need your landing pages building a bridge bring to bring them from place a to b so typically, you probably you probably thought that this podcast was a little bit weird because typically 
the host will introduce the first thing that uh, the host will do is to ask, "Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. What 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 you do?" I started with a different direction because um, I I like to do things a little bit differently. So now is the time I would like to ask to get you to tell a little bit about yourself. How did you become a copywriter and web consultant, website consultant, and how all of this came about? Well, first of all, I didn't think this podcast was weird. I would like to address that. Okay. But that is fine by me. I mean, you are the host. So you can ask questions, whatever you want. We already, I already knew the like general topic in advance. The order you would like to do things in, it's uh, really up to you. So how did I become a um, consultant? It was actually, again, by accident, let's put it like that. I used to work as a software developer. I studied mathematics and computer science. And I, I work as a software developer, more or less happy. I didn't know there is such thing as, you know, um, online business or whatever. I just thought, okay, my nine to six job was fine. Um, and then I went on maternity leave because uh, I was pregnant with my son and I got super bored. And I was like, man, this is, man, this is so boring. And I started a blog, not this one, a different one. Uh, and I, of course, wanted it to succeed. So I uh, started reading about all of things, you know, what makes website work and whatever. And I learned a lot, but I also was like, okay, all of this, so many things I already know. I don't know either from all my previous experiences and uh, from my work as a software engineer, because I was also an IT consultant. We also developed UIs and stuff. And I was like, why is everybody so excited about that? I mean, this is common knowledge to me, I thought. And then, of course, I wasn't this community of bloggers and website owners and I started giving them advice and uh, they were like they really liked it and then one friend hired me to help her and when I it was time uh, to think about whether I will be coming back to my job thankfully in Germany you get three years off of maternity leave so I had three years to think about it so after two years I already started getting paid for that and uh, then I had to make a decision whether I leave it as a kind of a hobby on the side, which I thought I probably won't be able to maintain because of the family responsibility, or I just, you know, uh, jumped into the cold war and say, I will ditch my office job and will try doing this, you know. And because this gives me so much joy and so much fulfillment because I talk to real people. In my normal job, I used to talk to some, you know, bankers and insurance company employees who didn't have their personal stakes in the company. You know, it was like huge corporations. And these people also just are working their nine to six jobs. They, are, you know, don't really care about a lot of things. And I also didn't see the results immediately of my work. So this is what I do now is much more fulfilling. Of course, it's I mean, it was hard, especially first two years were hard where you just I had weeks where I would go on four hours sleep not because I work so much but because also there are a lot of other things I have to take care of but I thought it's a better possibility because it gives me balance between uh, family life be between the time I get to spend with my son who's growing up so quickly and uh, you know doing things I love because office job wouldn't allow me to do that I was lucky that I didn't have to earn money right away because uh, thankfully my husband, you know, takes care of takes uh, care of that. Uh, but I, you know, had a chance uh, to pursue my passion, and I did that, and I'm really happy I did that. And uh, after the things picked up, I mean, this was a great feeling because you, you are busting your butt for two years, and then mm -hmm. you see it starts to work out, and you're like, wow. So it was not, it was a good decision. Okay, and so this is this is where I am now. Um. 
And uh, it may sound unusual to some, but I can tell you so many people have similar story where they just, you know, went on maternity leave or broke a leg or whatever, and they gave, it gave them a pause. You know, they paused their past lives and maybe uh, reevaluated something and decided that they don't want to continue like that. So three years is a very long time in, for, for maternity leave in Germany. Do, do you actually get paid? Uh, we get paid, I think, one year it's paid and two years uh, extra. You can stay home and your uh, job will be secured for you. But okay. paid leave is only one year. Hmm. What do you think is the number one problem for online course creators? I know that you work a lot with small business owners. And I don't know if the problem is the same, but based on your experience for online course creators, those who sell training programs, online courses, what do you think their biggest challenge, number one problem is? I think their biggest challenge lies not in the website themselves because their websites are quite typical to, you know, consult selling courses. It's not that different from, uh, you know, consulting or whatever. You build a landing page, you know, and but the thing is to sell people on courses because there's so many courses these days everywhere. So why would people choose you? You know, you need to make a case of yourself. So I think their biggest problem is that they try to sell directly from the website or if they have, for example, a freebie and they get people on their list, they neglect their marketing or they do email marketing, not uh, ideally, I would say, because it's about nurturing the relationship. I think selling courses, unless you have a name, you know, it's especially if you're a newbie and selling courses, this is very difficult because why would people trust your expertise? That's unfortunately not something you can just slap on your website and hope that people will buy. There are a lot of things, uh, you know, around it you have to do. You have to, you have to uh, make people notice you at some other places. Trust is a big factor. You know, will it be a good course? You know, so somehow you need to make sure people see you somewhere else as well. Because I can imagine that not many people will buy on the spot unless it's like a super relevant course nobody else is offering and you have 1,000 of great reviews. So you need to think, uh, first of all, I would say just really leave your website aside because we're talking about achieving the final goal, uh, you know, selling your course. For a second, forget about your website. Think about your overall process. You have a person who never heard of you, never heard of your courses. How do you, generally speaking, sell to them? What is your idea? What are you hoping for? Are you really hoping that they will go on the website, read one page, okay, two pages about you and buy your course? This is what they're hoping for. Then my question would be, why do you think it will be the case? Write down all the objections they may have and see, are you addressing those objections? And you may find out that it is ex would be extremely difficult to sell to a person who never heard of you. And then you will need to think about different means. Then you will need to think, okay, let's concentrate on getting people on my list. And then I will, for, you know, one month, massage them, you know, and show them my expertise. And only then I will pitch my course. Because they say you first need to get people to know, like, and trust you. And it's super hard to do with just one page or two pages. And uh, so think about it. Can you make people know, like, and trust you just from your website? If not, you need to think about the different route of selling, you know? So I, I would think, of, I would say about that. I mean, it just because courses are not as tangible as 
an apple or a sweater, you know, that you immediately see the quality and you can safely return if you don't like it. And of course, of course, it costs more than a sweater. So there are a lot of things to consider here. Okay. You say about possibly capturing their emails and then following up with them and giving them value so that they know, like, and trust you. And were you suggesting that in the first few emails, you don't actually sell anything to them? So yes, yes. Okay. So even, so what is the frequency? I mean, so you, the first few emails, you provide value to them. What, based on your experience, what would you say is the, after how many emails would you be open to say, maybe I'll, I'll drop a soft page over here. What is the, like, uh, after how many days have they joined your list? Do you have like, uh, a guideline for that when they can start pitching? It's not about the days. It's about the engagement. You shouldn't, uh, you know, pitch it to everyone. You should pitch to people who engaged with your previous emails. And the number of days, I can't tell you. I mean, you need to see for yourself. I mean, how often are you sending emails? If you're sending once a week and you see that they opened all of them, you, I don't know. It depends. I would say after three emails, it's already okay to pitch. I, I mean, but this is a very, you know, the decision depends on what was in the emails is the question. I would, before that, I would um, write one of these emails asking them to do something small, like a share an article of you or check out a different post. What I do in my emails is like I have a text that provides value already. And then I say, I have a challenge for you. Go to this post of 20 more mistakes people make on the website. And if you don't find any mistake, you get to ask me a question and I ask, answer it to you for free. But if there, you find the mistakes, you share it on social. This kind of, you know, you need, to, you shouldn't just, you know, talk to them. You should try to engage them. And the moment that you see that somebody is engaging with your emails, it means they already moved on this scala of uh, liking, knowing and trusting you somewhere closer to trusting you, you know, and after that, but actually it depends also on your personality. I'm not comfortable, I'm not comfortable with selling uh, quickly, you know, and I'd rather, you know, write to people for two months before I ask them, you know, for a commitment. But it's again, depends on what works for you, what kind of emails they were, and I also will definitely segment them. So um, if somebody didn't open uh, three of your last emails and then you send a pitch email, maybe they were on vacation, maybe they, these those emails didn't seem relevant to them. So it means they did not get anything from them. So for them, your pitch email would be like the first email if they open it. So there's no point of sending a sales email to someone who didn't engage with your emails, which also means uh, you need to clean your list regularly, which I do every month. I uh, send an activation uh, email, short email, just HTML without uh, fancy, you know, stuff around asking uh, whether they are, whether everything's fine and whether they would like to stay on the list. If they don't respond within two weeks, I just, you know, delete them. And uh, some people, I won't say a lot of people, of course, not a lot of because because some of them are literally disinterested, but some people come back and uh, then you deepen the connection. You talk to them like you would talk to a friend who, you know, haven't messaged you for a while. So it's about also making like a lot of things to keep in mind. You need to keep your interaction as 
close to a personal human interaction as possible. Of course, it's not ideal. You're writing to like, you know, so many people at once and it's difficult to make your email sound uh, personal, but you should try and you should always think if it was a real person, would I ask at this point? Would I, you know, say this or that at that point? And this should guide you, I would say. Or also testing also works, you know, send, try, you know, you can again segment them. And for one uh, sub list, you're sending a sales email after two emails for another sub list after, you know, four emails and you see what works better. This is also a way to go. So you actually said you send a monthly email asking them if they want to subscribe, they want to continue to stay on the list. No, 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 no. I, uh, no, this would be crazy. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, no, sorry. I probably didn't explain properly. Every month I have uh, um, a segment of, I select, I, I filter out subscribers that haven't opened any email within three months. Okay. And uh, to them, I put them in automated sequence that is called reactivating, re- reactivate subscribers. I remove them from the main list. It means they won't be getting any more emails from me, regular ones, but they will get an email saying, are we still good? And, you know, in the sense of, oh, I noticed you haven't opened my emails. I wanted to ask if you want to stay on my list. Uh, you don't have to reply if you don't want to stay. In two weeks, you will be removed. But if you want to stay, click this shiny button that says, yes, I want to stay. So okay. they click this shiny button and the automatic sequence put them back. Uh, they are redirected to an automatic page that thanks them for staying. And they are put back in the list, which also means, you know, they will remember your name again when it pops up in a couple of days. Uh but whoever does not respond gets uh, thrown off the list. So I know that the people who are on my list are more or less interested in what I'm talking about. Mm, okay. Yeah, that that makes uh, much more sense. Yeah. Okay. So, how do you currently get leads and customers for your for your business? Well, that's that's uh, for me. Um, there is once again not a, no one direct way, because as I said, people need to have heard about you a couple of times to warm up to you so my uh, i get customers from search that come i do get customers from search that literally searched for a website review and um, found my service pages but i also get inquiries from linkedin where i started posting a website tip of the day series i think last april and uh, every week i post two three very focused tips with an image, um, now it's like tip 115, so it has been very regular, and I get really good feedback, and I got clients from LinkedIn, but I also get clients from my list, you know, and funny story, one of the biggest contracts I got was from reactivated subscriber. The sequence I just described to you, this person, because when I write to them and say, uh, uh, oh, no, sorry, this was uh, not, no, that's, that's, that's wrong, not reactivated, but um, I... So I regularly check my email software that there was some glitch and some people haven't got an email in half a year. So I also took all of these people and wrote them an email saying, I'm sorry, something went wrong. To make it up to them, they get to ask me a question about their website. And this person wrote to me asking a question and I recorded a small video for her. And after that, I'm now redesigning and rewriting her whole website. So 
taking care of your subscribers also pays out you know or just like of course regular subscribers also write to me and saying okay can you review my home page uh, and the funny story i i don't think i've ever sold anything to them because i literally have nothing to sell so far except of my uh, you know these reviews or a copywriting so no course or no book um and it was very rare that I said, okay, uh, here's my, you know, contact me if you need something. But they still do, you know, because they follow me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. We have multiple connection points. And sometimes I hit a nerve. Sometimes they get a newsletter, which is about exact same problems they're dealing with. So it's super important also to know what problems people are struggling with. And when they see an email like that, they contact me and say, okay, I'm struggling with exactly the same thing. Can you help? And I say, yeah, <laughs> I can. Hmm. And so it's different. It's it's hard to say, okay, there's one one particular channel. There's are three channels, search, LinkedIn, and my email newsletter. Okay. So with your case, do you, do you have like, um, because consultants usually they have like a, a strategy session where maybe 30 minutes, 15 minutes, or strictly paid. The first time interaction with you, I so. I don't do I don't do free yes my the first time interaction well okay. uh, my free consulting session is my newsletter there you will learn so much I know so many people never hired me improved their website whatever I don't believe in this free consulting sessions because this already I'm taking my personal time it's actually this won't make any sense for me to be honest also because in the, I'm in a such a different time zone I work a lot with the clients from the USA Canada and Australia so I mean we are so apart it's impossible you know to find time to talk um so um yeah i mean they can read my blog that's a free consultation as well my blogs are very detailed very focused uh, on on things that you know usual blogs don't write about because it's just probably you know big websites don't struggle with that or big websites uh, you know don't uh, uh, think about things like that but i write about very specific problems of business owners and if you go through my blog i guarantee you you find a lot of things that speak directly to you, speak directly to your problems you have now. So this is my demonstration of expertise. Before I start reviewing a website, of course, there is some kind of uh, get to know your problems uh, situation where I send out a questionnaire that I um, combine every time, you know, specifically for a website, asking questions about the offer target audience current problems. So I, of course, don't uh, give any website suggestions without actually having talked to a business owner and learned about their business. But there are no free consultation sessions. <laughs> I Probably it works for someone, it will not work for me. And I would say also I'm like introverted, it will drain a lot of my energy. And you need to prepare before the session. You can't just, you know, doing something and then switch on Skype and then immediately come back. So there are also time around this time, you know, to prepare and then to decompose from that. This would be just, wow, too much time wasted, I would say. Got it. So what does a day in your life look like? Oh, that's very, such, a, such a nice question. <laughs> Nobody ask, have ever asked me that before. My days are really monotonous, I must tell you, people. Um, I wake, sorry, I don't wake up. I get woken up by my son who wakes up really early. Today, 6.30, that was great. And... Um, then I drag myself into the living room slash kitchen, which is like a big space. I give him food and I try to doze, you know, to sleep a bit while he's eating, whatever. And then I bring him to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Then I come back, I have breakfast and I start working right away. 
till three o'clock having like a break for lunch and maybe get up to move a bit when I really feel like a pain in my back or something but usually it's like really work 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 uh, it's either client work uh, or um, some work on new blog posts on my own website uh, if I can squeeze it in because there are weeks I don't touch my website because I just have so much to do um, then at three o'clock I go pick up my son three thirty. we come back he has a snack, we play a bit till five o'clock, and then thank God for iPad and cartoons. <laughs> he gets an iPad with cartoons, and I have uh, one hour before I need to start my dinner uh, to catch up on emails, to send some invoices, to do some work that doesn't require my full brain or full attention. And then it's dinner, my husband comes home, we all have dinner, and after that I bring my son to bed, and I try not to work after that. Because this really, this is just way too hard, I must say. Because I had to do it this week, unfortunately. I was on vacation two days, and I had to pick up on things. And I worked um, after 10 a.m., sorry, 10 p.m., till 1 o'clock at night. Mm. And it was hard. I mean, I did not choose this freelance or, like like you say, a solo business owner life to feel like that. <laughs> I would like to have uh, some, uh, a bit more freedom that, you know, a fixed job, uh, offers you there are days you know times like that and like that but i i do try to keep a balance and not work after um in the evenings or at night i really really would like to go to bed at 12 latest not always possible but this is how my days they are very similar all the days i must say well sometimes i get to go on the podcast as we can see today <laughs> but this is not usually the case usually it's just desk work you sit there and type things and design things and write things and but, I mean, it's very rewarding. My favorite part of that is when I get client feedback because it's thankfully positive uh, and uh, it really makes my day. And all this pain, all this not sleeping really pays off and people write to you and say, wow, I have been, I have worked with three people but nobody understands me like you or this is perfect. This is, wow, we are so impressed. This is, if, if I wouldn't get it, if it would be anonymous, I probably won't be doing it just for the sake of website reviewing. That's, you know, of course, it's great to help people. But if you don't see how you help and if you don't see people really appreciating it, this is not the same. Got it. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about creating your own online course so that you can? Yeah, I did. I even tried. <laughs> then I gave right. up. <laughs> um, because... Uh, it was just too overwhelming because the things I would like to share, I noticed that it's so much. It's like probably if I wrote it in a book, it would be like 600 pages. So I was like, okay, um, I need to start small because I don't have any paid offers so far on my website. So I would start with a book and I'm currently combining my LinkedIn tips into a book. Mm -hmm. First hundred LinkedIn tips, especially because people asked me for that. Actually, they harassed me into making it into a book on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm happy to comply because now I know people are waiting for it. So I already have an audience and this will be a small commitment because the course I would have to price really high. And I don't want to do that, especially for people who never bought anything from me. And I noticed that I would need help creating a course, probably someone who would uh, digitally combine materials for me. And right now, I just don't have the time to find this person. I don't have the time to deal with that because there's still a lot of client work. So I decided to start with a book. But I will absolutely, course, it's definitely on my mind. But I think it's at least one year away because it's really a lot of work. Videos, you know, slides. Oh, my God. It just gives me anxiety just thinking about it. But it's it's a good idea. I like teaching. 
and my newsletter teaches on LinkedIn. I teach and even in my website reviews. I teach because I don't just say this is wrong. I tell people why it's wrong. So they know if they see the same reason somewhere on their website, they will, you know, notice that they shouldn't do it again. And I also tell them how to make it better. And I also give them a, like a summary of a website review where I summarize the most common problems uh, in for the copy as well. And I say, okay, don't do this uh, next time. Do it like that. So teaching is also something I really enjoy. So course, definitely in the cards, <laughs> in, the, in the stars. How, how does one say that? <laughs> in the stars, I guess. In, in the cards, I think. So last question. If you can only give one advice to people listening to this, what would you say to them to, if they want to build like a profitable website? I know you covered a lot of points just now early in, mm. the, in, the, in, the, in the show. But if you can only just one, give one advice, what would it, what would it be? Mm, God, that's hard because, I mean, how do you give one advice? And also the question is, what kind of people are those? Do they already have a website or do they, are they thinking of getting a website? Let's say they, are, they, are, they already have a website, but it's not okay. converting as well as they like. Okay not converting oh god this is very hard um give one advice i'm sure uh, i really have to pass i said it's not possible if i give you any kind of advice it may be wrong because website can not con can have problems with conversions for so many reasons and i would say you know get a specialist to look at it this will be my advice <laughs> literally because I cannot give, I'm not, uh, we say it's in the cards, but I can't read minds. I can't read, read, you know, things that I can't see. I mean, it's impossible. Sorry. I mean, it's complicated. It's complicated. Get someone, get, if you tried everything you could yourself, get professional advice because you're not going to make it yourself. Sorry. It's, it's just complicated. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And if you want to get professional advice, definitely contact Jill Andrews because she's the, She's the one who knows everything about website conversion. So if someone well, there's wants... always to learn things. Yeah, but if you need help, um, look around my website. I uh, created really detailed sales pages that will describe my that describe my process to you in detail, how I work, you know, and what you will get from that. It also has a lot of testimonials from business owners with whom I work, and I update my testimonials because I get uh, really nice testimonials every time, and then I exchange, you know exchange them to reflect what I was currently doing. So you will also see a couple of uh, project men projects mentioned from business owners just like you. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Ask so, me for help if you need help. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So where can they find you? It's my website is jillandrews.com. One word, uh, name, last name, dot com. And I hope it's pretty straightforward. Just click services and take it from there whatever you need copywriting or particular reviews like homepage review or whole website review or just a session where i review something in person in front of you or you get to ask me questions like we you asked me right now something very specific you know should i do this on my website or should i do that on my website if i'm thinking about my sales funnel in general should i do that does it make sense stuff like that so i also offer personal consultations if you think you know such a website review is not exactly what you need if you'd rather you know ask me specific questions that also works so anything you need to help your website convert better i can help you with okay listeners is jill andrews jill as in g-i-l-l -L, 
and Andrews with an S, jillandrews.com. Okay, thank you again, Jill, for sharing your insights into the whole website conversion process. It's really great to have you here. I'm sure the listeners are going to find tons of value out of this interview. Thank you for coming to the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. It was nice talking to you.